Ground ball up the middle, base hit. Altuve scores. Five to four Houston. Three and one on Correa, the pitch. Line shot out to right, and Leori can't make the catch. He misjudged it. Bregman will score. Alvarez trying to score, and he's in. Oh, man, that's devastating. The Astros add two, and it's seven to four. Pitch. Popped in the air, down the right field line, over into foul territory, and it is caught by Tucker. He and Altuve were there. Tucker makes a grab. The White Sox do not score in the night, and they have just entered must-win territory. There's no doubt about it, Len Casper. Devastating is the word as the ball gets passed and over the head of Leary Garcia couple of runs score and then Kyle Tucker goes deep driving in a few more and the White Sox get uh, victimized a five run seventh inning final score nine to four the Astros up two games to none game three coming up on Sunday three one two three three two three seven seven six that is the number we'll get to all the calls we got an hour or so to grab your phone calls talk about the decisions that were made or not made a lot of people I know I'm listening to some of the callers already they're talking about why no Michael Kopech were you saving him for game four to go with Carlos Rodon why pinch hit for Adam Engel. Engel would have had that ball. You would have only given up two. Walks are a bad thing. And uh, should Lucas Giolito have even started the fifth inning? Now, I didn't have a problem with it when he started, but then when he walked two of the first three batters in that fifth inning, that was bad. 312-332-3776. We'll get to the calls. We'll talk all, to all of you and um, see what you think about what happened today. Uh, none of it was good if you're a White Sox fan. It was all pretty bad stuff. The Sox did hit the ball, but still, through two games, they have not gotten an extra base hit yet. They had 11 hits today, three from Anderson, three from Robert, two from Abreu, one from Vaughn, Garcia had one, Jimenez had one, all singles, nothing but singles from the White Sox. And uh, the Astros, yeah, they got a double over the head of Lurie Garcia. They got a home run from Kyle Tucker. And the defense that the Houston Astros are playing, that's been absolutely amazing. Uh, let's grab one call real quick before we uh, take a break. Let's go real quickly to Larry on the south side. Larry, what's going on? Yeah, two decisions by the Russo that kind of proved to be, you know, uh, unbelievable. The first one was uh, pinching for Angel for Cesar Hernandez, and he struck out, strikes out for four pitches. Yeah. And you substitute the guy and uh, put uh, and put him at second, put uh, Laurie up then in right field, and see what happened with that. Even though I said another one was bringing in Kimbrough, but the main thing is, where was Kopech? Where was he? Why well, was in this high leverage situation with the game tied like that? Where was Kopech in that fifth inning? Where was he? Why he wasn't in that game? I have no idea. Yeah, the- you got the three. You got the three battle rule. You got to face three batters anyway. Right. Right. Why, why? I don't know, Larissa. I know people gonna just overlook this, but this guy has proven he's not—he's not the same guy 
from the, the Cardinals in the Oakland A's days. He's not the same guy anymore. He, I'm sorry I, to say that. I don't know that he thought he needed to use Kopech at that time. And um, also, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. But how many times Kopech came in with runners on base as opposed to to start an inning? Um, but most- yeah, you. Got, but you. You. This is it. This is the. You trying to steal a game here? Yeah, you're trying oh, no, to steal I know. A game. I know. I mean, you can't go by what happened in the bay. You got. You got to start. Win this one game. Win this one game. And uh, I cannot believe. To me, the best reliever. And that bullpen, Kopech, did not come in that fifth inning. Yeah, here was the answer uh, that uh, Larusa gave about that. Well, it's you know we were going to play the game today, and if we had needed him to win the game, we would have pitched him. But you know, whatever happens on Sunday, we've got his length there. Uh, I mean, that's that's another big asset for us. We didn't have to waste it. But if we he could have pitched any today and still been available, but he'll be more available. Okay, now what he just said there, I he said he wanted to use his length meaning he wants to use him for several innings, but he didn't want to use him just for one or two. And because it was the fifth inning, I think that's why. I'm not quite sure that made sense to uh, Larry or to a lot of other people, at least based on uh, some of the tweets out there on in the uh, Twitter universe. 312-332-3776. Larry got us started. We'll come back. We'll grab the calls and talk to you all right here on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Fred Huebner. Follow us on the gram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Kick and the pitch and a drive the other way. Deep left. It's gone. Into the Crawford boxes. Kyle Tucker makes it 9-4 Houston. Yep, and that's all she wrote. 9-4, the final score. The Astros with a big five-run seventh inning, and they knock off the White Sox 9-4, the final, and they take a uh, two-games-to-none lead in the best-of-five American League Division Series. Fred Hubner with you, taking your calls, 312-332-3776. Find out what you guys thought about the game. Right off the bat, the White Sox had the bases loaded and one out. In the first inning, Jimenez bounced into a fielder's choice, a run scored, and that was it. God, wouldn't it have been nice to get more runs in the first inning? Give Lucas Giolito even more. Giolito goes out in the first, strikes out the side. Then the Sox strike out, all three of them, in the second inning. The bottom of the order for the second day in a row, and this is one of the reasons that Tony La Russa, he was trying to make something happen. This is why he pulled out. Adam Engel, and pitch hit Cesar Hernandez for him, okay? The bottom three in the order, Vaughn, Garcia, then Engel, and also um, Hernandez, they had two hits and struck out seven times. He thought that maybe he could start something, maybe Cesar Hernandez could come up and do something. He didn't. He let off the uh, seventh inning, and unfortunately that turned out to be a much bigger move in the game than we thought at the time because when Hernandez came in, Larry Garcia went from second base to right field. And then after one run scored in the five-run seventh, uh, the ball gets hit by Correa. And Lurie was dancing all over the place. And he spun around, jumped up, couldn't get the ball. Engel probably would have had it in his hip pocket. And it would have been just a one-run deficit for the White Sox. As it turned out, the five spot, and that was the ball game. Let's continue the uh, callers. Let's jump on out to uh, Crystal Lake and Paul. Paul, what's going on tonight? Yes, I thought 
for next year, the Sox are looking to uh, reacquiring your mean Mercedes because you had those 13 hits in a row early in the year, and they once in a while use some uh, good punch in the, like in today's case, the bottom end of the lineup. Well, yeah, except the problem was he couldn't hit after he got those early in the season. Paul, we appreciate the call. After we got those, he got those early in the season, he couldn't hit at all. And he was bad, and then he was going to retire. And, uh, yeah, a lot of other things happened. It's been an interesting season for the White Sox, starting with, uh, you know, your mean back in the day. Let's get back to the calls, 312-332-3776. We go to Romeoville and Gus, you're on ESPN 1000. Hello, Gus. Yeah, hello, uh, Fred. Um I, I was not pleased about this game because it reminded me of the debacle in 1983. Then the excuse was no hitting. Now, we had hitting, but as you stated, not in the right spot. Yeah, not timely hitting. Yeah, yeah. we didn't we didn't we didn't have hitting uh production from the bottom end of the lineup. And that's been a problem with the uh with our White Sox and when I saw the trouble that the White Sox were in, it reminded me of history, 1983 and of course I'm 70 years old. I go back to 1958 and 1959, sure. you know, and sure. I I really wanted to see some productivity because for years the Sox had great pitching. That wasn't a problem. It was hitting. Now it seems like when they try to repair one area, then the pitching falls down. And then fielding, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. So if you could basically explain what's going on, because um, I'm hoping that we can win three straight, but I, I don't know. It doesn't look good. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Guys, appreciate the call. There have been uh, times where the White Sox have been able to put together win streaks this year. I was just looking through it. They had a four-gamer in April, a six-gamer in May, another five-game win streak in May, four in June. The problem is, you know, they had the six-game win streak right near the end of the regular season, but before that, they had only won two in a row. That was their longest win streak from September 1st until that win streak at the very end of the season. So that was difficult. And going into the going into the playoffs, I was concerned because they were not playing great ball. Okay? You you win six in a row, people say, well, look, they won games. They, yeah, they beat Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Detroit. Those weren't great teams. They weren't facing good teams down the stretch, getting ready to play for the postseason. And they don't have a they don't have an extra base hit in the first two games. They Luis Roberts amazing. This guy, we're just we're watching a guy that's going to be a superstar in this league for years and years to come. He went three for four today with uh, a walk. He grounded out in the ninth inning. He'd been on base. He's batted nine times. He's been on base eight of those nine times. He had a walk today, a hit by pitch yesterday, and also reached out an error. He's been on base constantly. The problem is the Sox haven't been able to bring him home. He did score two of the White Sox four runs today, but the Sox left nine runners on base. And again, right in the first inning, bases loaded one out. You've got to come up with more than one run when you're down one nothing and you're facing an Astros team that just does not make mistakes. They don't beat themselves, and that's a problem for the White Sox now down two games to none. Let's go out to the roads, and Jack, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Fred. Hey, man, I got to tell you, this is all on Tony La Russa. Anyone with a pulse knows that Giolito was done after four innings. And as soon as we get that lead, the order is Kopech for the fifth and sixth, Tapera for the seventh, Kimball for the eighth, and Liam for the ninth. There is no excuse. I mean, Crochet being out there back-to-back games, it's unforgivable. This man just needs to re-retire, man. I'm done. Jack, appreciate the call. There were not a lot of people yelling for... 
Giolito to come out after the Sox got the lead. I understand your point. I thought about it, but I didn't think about it till after Giolito walked the first batter in the fifth inning. I was wondering if they were going to send Giolito back out there. They did. He walked two of the first three guys in the fifth inning. They both scored. Yesterday, there were two leadoff walks from Lance Lynn. Both of them scored. Today, there was a leadoff walk in the second. He got bounced out on a fielder's choice, but then there was another walk. Both of those guys scored, and Altuve and Bregman scored, all on walks. You can't be walking, people. And then when Crochet came in, he walked the first guy he faced. You can't put guys on base. The White Sox for the game today, two walks offensively. They got two walks, well, actually three, one in the ninth inning. So, but the Astros were able to get on base. The White Sox pitchers were putting them on, and the Astros are getting guys over. And that's a big help. I don't know. Again, yesterday there was a situation that came up that not a lot of people talked about. Today, you had a situation where Giolito went back out there for the fifth, and I thought that they were going to give him the opportunity once they took the lead. But I think I would have pulled him right after the first walk, and I would have had somebody up and ready to go if Giolito struggled. And he did. He walked two of those first three guys in that fifth inning. So I think the blame on Tony LaRusa on that is justified. Let's go to the West Loop area and Mike. Mike, what's going on? Yeah, um, you're on point, I think, Fred. Uh, your earlier point was a key, which was taking out um, uh, taking out Angle. I mean, yeah. when you get in a tie game, and what are you going to depend on? Defense. Why would you ever take Angle out uh, and put in a switch hitter who's hitting 225 from either side? Yeah, he's I been mean, brutal. He's been brutal since he's come to the White Sox. Cesar yeah, Hernandez, yeah. And and the other the other question you, you're right about uh, about Giolito, but isn't that where either Kopech or Tapera come in? Why would you use Crochet, a fastballer, pretty much only a fastballer, who isn't as good as uh, as, as Kopech, and who isn't as clever as Tapera? I mean, those were two keys, and I put them right on Tony. And it, it Tony made some some questionable decisions here. I don't think, and I, you know, I I agree with you. I understand what you're saying, Mike. Appreciate the call. I think that they had planned on using Kopech in Game Four. They were trying to get the win here, and you can't delay and you can't look for a pitcher to go two days later with Rodon and then go into Kopech in Game Four. You may not. There may not be a Game Four on Monday night. Not after losing the game today. Um, but it did not seem to me like he was in their list. When when the game, when managers and pitching coaches get a game ready, they know who their pitchers are going to be in order, okay? They pretty much know who's coming in. It's not like, hey, we're in this situation. Let's bring this guy in instead. They tell the pitchers most of the time, here's, here how, here's how we're going to go pitchers-wise. It surprised me a little bit that they bring did bring in Crochet because Crochet yesterday came in. He gave up three hits. He struck out two in an inning. But he gave up three hits. I was surprised to go to him. I thought they were going to bring Bummer in, and Lord knows was that a disaster um, in the seventh inning as they just kept hitting balls up the middle that kept getting into the center field. Altuve, Bregman, uh, Alvarez, all with hits up the middle. And, you know, Bummer for his line, one-third of an inning, three hits, three runs. And that was terrible. But I thought they might bring him in a little bit early. Uh, Instead, it was Crochet again, and uh, a couple of the runs scored. So, you know, it was not what you were hoping to see. 
Um, but I don't think that they ever planned on having Kopech pitch today. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll find out more as we go further. But I don't think they ever planned on him going in today. Let's go to uh, Merrillville and Jordan. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Um, okay. Um, hey, the reason I'm calling is I know there's you know, some more games left, but it, it's all about pitching. Okay? And I've thought about this all year long. And, it, and what the White Sox have to do is they have to spend – money in the offseason on a top-notch ace pitcher if there's one out there. Because, you know, Lynn, he's, he's a, a good pitcher, but he's a 2-3. He's a Same thing with, with, uh, uh, with Giolito. You have to have a guy that can get you through five, six, six innings with no runs, maybe one run allowed. If, if, those, if those guys can't get, get you through that and shorten the game, it's going to be hard. You know, bullpens are fickle. We know that. They're up and down. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. So, you need you need your 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 starters to get you through five to six five to six innings with limited uh, of damage, and that's what they got have to get in the offseason. See, but the problem, Jordan, the problem with what you're saying is this year they had those guys, Lynn and Giolito. Lynn had one of the best ERAs in baseball. So did Rodon. Giolito was was good the second half of the season. Um, he started off a little bit slower, but this, the last end of the season he pitched very very well. Dylan Cease was fourth or fifth in baseball and strikeouts. So they had the pitching. I Going into the series, I wasn't concerned about the pitching. I did, never thought the pitching was going to be this bad in the first two games. Yeah, I understand that. You know, we, had, we had good pitching, but like you said before, you were pitching against a lot of bad teams, too. Well. So, you know, against good teams, as the records show, the pitching wasn't really there. So you need you, they got to get someone that's locked down that you can, you can depend on to get you through, to get you through through the, through the game against good teams as well, though. Yeah, Jordan, appreciate the call. I just again, I did not think that we were going to be sitting here after the first two games complaining about how the Sox pitchers were, but the starters let the Sox down. You had Gilito going four and a third today. Lynn went three and two thirds yesterday. Lynn gave up five runs. Gilito gave up four runs. That's nine runs in two games for your starting pitchers. That's not what the White Sox expected to have happen. Everybody talked about, well, Gilito should have started game one. Well, you saw what happened today. He walked too many guys. Both guys walked people. And this was not a problem that they had during the season. Yesterday, Lynn had walked. He had only walked three guys in, since September 1st. And he was walking people yesterday. Nobody expected this to happen. And um, at least I know I didn't. And uh, the hitting, the hitting's dried up over the last several. There's been stretches where the Sox just don't hit. And today they got hits. They had 11 of them, but they don't get the big hits. Nine men left on base. Let's grab another call. And when we come back, hang on. 312-332-3776. We got full lines of callers. We'll grab you guys. We'll be here for a while. 312-332-3776 right here on ESPN 1000. Hubner. Determined to be most accurate. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Pitch to Tucker. Ground ball, base hit through the shortstop area. And a tie ball game as Duriel will score from second. A smart hitting. They had to shift on. Nobody playing shortstop, so he hit it there. Here's a pitch. And he tags one out into the right center, and it's going to be caught. A leaping catch. Tucker had to leave his feet. If that ball gets in there, the White Sox get two. Pitch. 
Popped in the air, down the right field line, over into foul territory, and it is caught by Tucker. He and Altuve were there. Tucker makes a grab. The White Sox do not score in the night, and they have just entered must-win territory. There's no doubt it's must-win Sunday night. Guaranteed rate field, 7.07, first pitch. White Sox will send question mark. TBA to be announced. I'd be shocked if it wasn't Dylan Cease, um, but they not, have not announced it yet. Expected to be announced sometime tomorrow. Uh, don't forget, there will be White Sox Weekly tomorrow, and because there's a Waddle and Sylvie show tomorrow, that's right, Saturday, from 2 until 6, uh, White Sox Weekly will be 6 until 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Connor McKnight will be back talking about what the Sox plan on doing for Game 3 at Guaranteed Rate Field. Let's get back to the phones. Guys are hanging on. We appreciate your patience. A lot of people want to are, are quite upset about what's been going on. Let's go on out to uh, Beecher and Jim. You're at ESPN 1000. Hey, Jim. Fred, how you doing, brother? I'm okay. All right, let me hit, let me quickly hit some bullet points here. Yep. Since the middle of July, the White Sox have been nothing but a 500 mediocre club. Okay, since the All Star break, uh, you kind of made my point where you said their four and five game winning streaks were all in April, May, and maybe early June. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's you know that tells you. And the thing of it is, if the White Sox they played in the weakest division in baseball. If the White Sox were in the American League East, they'd be sitting home right now. They wouldn't. They'd have to play uh, Tampa Bay, Boston, New York, and Toronto. Seventy-six games, really? With with what? With their squad? Now, I mean, Rick Hahn, he's got work to do. Uh, he kind of fell asleep at the switch where he signs Adam Eaton, where he should have spent the money. I'm Michael Bradley. Got, got Castellanos. <laughs> right field. Yeah. Come on. Or Michael you Brantley. Know, yeah. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. There's so, no I doubt mean, about that. I mean, Fred, these guys are not as good as we think they are. They're not. Well, and, and, and obviously we've seen, Jim, unfortunately, the pitching is not as good as we thought either because they're pitching. Now, Lucas Giolito pitched really well against Houston earlier this year. Or was it a, a three-hit sh- complete game shutout? Okay. Um, Lance Lynn has never pitched good against Houston, at least not for the last six, seven, eight games or whatever. Um, but these are the top two pitchers the White Sox have. These are the two guys you're going with. And unfortunately, neither of them got you to the fifth inning. Neither of them got you through five. And it would be nice to see. Now, looking at all the playoffs the last couple of days, almost none of the starters have gone that long, which is interesting. I think Ivaldi uh, went five and a third, and one other Wainwright in the wild card game went five and a third. Otherwise, all these starters are not going very, very long. But also, they're leaving when they, you know, without giving up big leads. Like the White Sox today had a four-two lead. All of a sudden, when Lucas Giolito leaves, it's tied at four, and you know things were not working out. Let's get back to the phones. We go. Um, let's see here. Let's grab somebody who's been hanging out for a long time. Let's go to Arlington Heights and Tom. Tom, thanks for hanging in there. What's up? Hello, Tom. Tom's not there. Let's go to the south side of my guy, Ron. Ron, what's up? Hey, Fred. Hey, look here. I agree with the last caller. But you had a caller earlier said, you know, possibly winning the series. Fred, after the All-Star break, I think they only won maybe 
three series, one maybe against Baltimore. But the, the, the bottom line is, and, and we have heard people say, well, that it, it doesn't matter about the season, the fact that the White Sox were not very good against teams above 500 once they get to the playoff. Yes, yeah, sometimes that happens, Fred, but it's not only the record. They were not playing good baseball. Right. It's not the, the record. You you know, so the, the, the White Sox were not playing um, good, good, good baseball. So, um, yeah, they they had but 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 one other quick point. I was reading some comments from Steve Stone. Yes, and he said that even if they don't win this series, it's the season's been success. I totally disagree. Totally disagree because they got knocked out in the first round last year. And that Fred, come on, they're not going to win this series. You didn't. You you won two series. After all three, you're going to win the series. So, I, in my opinion, they, they, this is what the White Sox said. World Series a bust. So, if you don't even get to the American League Championship, you get knocked out again. To me, the, 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 the season has not been a success. So, that, that uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very, um, just very disappointing. I, I was expecting a lot. A lot more from 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 this team. Uh, the pitching is bad. But but Fred, one thing real quickly. Yeah. As far as hitting with men on base. Oh my lord. This team is it's, it's terrible. Yeah. But the, but all but but all of that bad baseball and beating up on bad teams. Yeah. Sometimes it's an aberration. You can get that. But more than likely, the team the better teams win. And this is not. A good. This team is a 500 ball club, and you're not going to be any of the teams that are uh, in this playoffs. Ron, thanks for it, Ron. Appreciate the call. Understand you're being upset, and you're. I'm looking here. The White Sox record at the All Star break was 54 and 35, so they were what as 19 games over 500, right? And at the end, they were 93 and 69, so that's 24. So. That's right, right? 93 and 69. Yeah, because they had that nice little win streak at the end of the season. So they were 24 games over. So they, in, since the All-Star break, they were, they were five games better than 500. I ended up the series. They won. They played 23 series in the second half, and they won 11 of them. Okay. So saying they played 500 baseball is pretty correct. Yeah, but saying pretty they correct. won three... Yeah. Three series is not. Yeah, no, they they won more series than that, but they, yeah, they, down the stretch, they weren't winning a lot of series. My biggest thing, and I, people talking will tell me how I was complaining. The last three weeks of the season, they lost two out of three to the Royals, the Oakland A's, the Angels, and the Tigers. You can't go into the playoffs having played like that. Now I know stats will show you. It doesn't really matter how you go into the playoffs. It's how you play once you get there. But you want to get on a roll. Now the last week of the season. Yeah, they won six of their last seven. Uh, they beat Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Detroit. And they were getting some nice outings. One of my biggest problems down the stretch was, unfortunately, how they had to rest a lot of guys. Or at least they did rest a lot of people. And now we have no idea where Tim Anderson is. I mean, Anderson was out for, what, two weeks? Uh, a lot of these guys throughout the course of the season were out. Eloy missed 99 games this year. I mean, it's amazing how much time they missed, and they were still able to win the division. 
Granted, it is not a good division. There's nothing they can do. But for the longest time, the Bears played in a division that sucked. And every time they would start in the in the NFC, it was the Central. The NFC Central, they had the Lions, the Vikings, the Packers, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they all sucked. And the Bears would start the season with eight wins. Okay, you can only play who's on the schedule. So the White Sox are in the American League Central. They have to play Detroit, Minnesota, Kansas City, uh, they, Cleveland. Those are the teams they have to play. And they did a good job of winning those. They win the series. Let's grab one more refill. We'll take a break. Let's go downtown. And Jim, Jim, what's happening? Yeah, I have no uh, no sweat here. I think the Sacks win the next two. The fear of God is in uh, the Astros. And it's a whole different conversation. You think Have so? a good evening. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate the call. We got someone who's positive. The fear of God. The Astros are going to come to uh, the black hole known as Guaranteed Rate Field. It'll be blackout night. 7 o'clock, 7.07, Sunday night, after the Bears take care of the Raiders. And then it'll be White Sox taking care of the Astros. It'd be nice to win two games. It'd be nice to win one game. It would be nice for the White Sox to come out, have Dylan Cease throw six strong innings, go to the bullpen and have it work and have the White Sox knock them off. We'll see. That's all we can do is wait until Sunday to play the games. Callers hanging there. We'll get right to you after this. You're listening to Fred Huebner. Follow us on the gram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Let's try to zip through some of these callers. And Jesse Rogers is going to join us about 15 minutes. Talk about what he saw in the game. Spins he may have. Let's go to Frankfurt and Dave. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Dave. Hey, Fred. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I watched the last, most of the last game of this regular season on TV, uh-huh. and today, and today, I wa- I listened to the whole game okay. on the air. And as as most people know, going into the playoffs, some of it is how well you are playing right now. So, like the Astros started McCormick because he was hot over somebody else. Anyways, the last game of the season. And this game today, if Tony did not see, do not put the butcher, the sieve, Luyuri Garcia in right field. He caused Dylan C. several runs on back-to-back plays. And then today, I didn't get to see how bad it was that he missed the ball. So for whatever it is, at this moment in time, he cannot play right field. Do not put him there. Put him anywhere else, but not in right field, because it might cost you a game. Yeah. There's a good chance it cost the, the one today, Dave. Appreciate the call. The The one thing is, you look at the White Sox bench, it's not very good, okay? You got Zach Collins, who's your backup catcher. Andrew Vaughn finally got a hit, but he's looked lost at the plate for the last month and a half. Uh, you have Cesar Hernandez or Larry Garcia, whichever one's out there, the other one's on the bench. And then you have Billy Hamilton as your other outfielder. You really don't have a lot of offense to bring in. What team does, though? Like, that's why they're, like, having Billy Hamilton as a, like, what team brings guys off the bench and you're expecting production from? None. The Rays. <laughs> but are you expecting, but you're expecting it from their, from their arms and then just every, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's not many teams have 
Like, the White Sox lineup and the Astros lineups are long enough. Right. Do you think they're going to pull off eight more dudes off the bench that can produce? But think about it. The White Sox, and I know they said it on the broadcast, one of the things I did hear Bob Costa say, is the White Sox have only had their top six guys in their order, like, seven or eight games all year long. And their, seven, their top guys, Anderson, Robert, uh, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez, and Moncada. And then your bottom three in the order, yesterday, the bottom three in the order were 0-4-11. Today, they were 2-7. for seven. The bottom three in the order for um, the Astros today were 3-10 for 10 with four RBIs. Their so, lineup's better, yeah. period. That's not, not not their bench. Their lineup is longer and better. That's yeah. that's just the way it is. So the White Sox need to get a better designated hitter, a better second baseman, and a better right fielder. Basically was what they needed going into the season this year. Yeah, isn't that funny how that turned out? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, you thought you had a second baseman. Now he'll be getting on base for the next uh, decade for the Cubs. 312-332-3776. Uh, every time I see Kimbrell blow up, I just say, oh, yeah. But let's go Northwest Side. Tom, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Tom. Hi, thank you, as always, Freddie. Always a pleasure to hear you on the air. I wish you were on the air all weekend. Thanks. Uh, uh, just wanted to uh, just say Kimbrough was a mistake. Uh, just and, today, uh, today, or, today or getting him? Getting him. Okay. Most uh, terrible, terrible yeah. mistake. So we had controllable assets in Madrigal, and I know you weren't crazy about Madrigal, but oh, no, it's I better like, than what I, we got No, now. I love Madrigal. I, I really yeah. like him a lot, yeah. so Okay, and you gave up Hoyer, for, and you wind up with Tapera. Tapera is nothing. And Hoyer was, you know, he's eight years younger and controllable. It's just terrible. Uh, Hernandez, what a mistake. A terrible mistake. Uh, our friend there, uh, Lurie Garcia, they're always, the guys on the air are always lauding him. He's terrible. Not only, you know, not in the clutch at all. And uh, Grandal, as you've always said, like on, on not, your, uh, yeah. on your, uh, Twitter account, the guy can't hold on to the ball, he can't block, he can't, you know, the only thing he could do is frame, and uh-huh. that's, that's kind of worthless. But uh, it all gets down to to Rick Hahn, and I know he's not responsible for it, but the terrible managing of uh, La Russa, it's all like your friend said before, and I told you before, it's like 1983 all over again, a nightmare. <laughs> We appreciate the call, Tom, as always. This, the one thing you have to look at with the White Sox and Lurie Garcia, Lurie Garcia finished fifth in the White Sox and RBIs. You had Abreu with 117. Then you had Yasmani Grandal, who only played 93 games. He was second on the team in RBIs. It just goes to show you that you're not getting necessarily productive hitting up and down the order with guys on base. Okay, and today the White Sox left nine guys on base, and that's that's not good enough. In a playoff game, you've got to bring some guys home, and it goes back to the very first inning of the game today when you get the bases loaded with one out, and all you get is one run. As, as soon as that happened, you had to have a, I don't know, I had a pit in my stomach, or it could have just been what I ate for breakfast, I don't know. Elmwood Park, Daniel, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? Okay. Uh, yeah, so I I wanted to. I'm a little more of a positive White Sox fan. Um, I, I know it's hard to stay positive after all these years, but if you look at this team, uh, they're they're a very young team. Uh, so I think I think 
it's just the emotions of this playoff series. But my point that I wanted to talk about was I feel like every offseason, you know, we're going out and signing a, a pitcher. You know, we're getting good guys, and obviously the last caller stated with Kimbrell how that's a mistake too. But I would love to see the White Sox go out and either trade or sign, you know, an all-star caliber infielder who who can bring that clutch because Tim can't be the only guy with the clutch on this team. So that's just my thoughts. Uh, you know, I don't think this is a World Series or bust year. I know a lot of people are upset about how this series is going so far, but I think we just got to take a step back and look at how young this team is. And even with the AL Central, like you see the Royals, they have the best farm system in baseball. So I think we'll truly find out who this White Sox team is in the next coming years. So I yeah. think that's something to look forward to. But for now, it's all right. We're probably not going to win this series, but it's always next year. Yeah, and, and, and you know, there is next year. I mean, that's, you know. And there, there is Sunday, too. You still got Sunday and Monday and see what happens. And then if, in fact, they don't win, then you look forward to next year. And you look forward to Rick Hahn going to work and improving this team. Uh, let's grab another call. Let's go Glendale Heights. Tom? Tom, what's going on? Hey, Fred. It's good to talk to you, man. You too. Um, so, you know, I'm watching this game. And, you know, I mean, obviously we didn't hit with runners in scoring position. We were in clutch. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't agree. I think that or I, I think that Kopech should have been used sooner. What I don't understand though is I'm watching the game and it's like it's like it's like the Houston Astros when they do their defensive shifts, mm-hmm. like we hit the ball right there. <laughs> I know. And then and then when we shift, they just like almost kick the ball right up the middle and it's a base hit because there's nobody there to catch it. Are we really that bad at how we shift? I mean, do we not understand that does our coaching staff not understand how to take advantage of that? Because it just seems that Houston's like light years ahead of us with we, that. We really need someone, and we appreciate, I appreciate the call, Tom. really need someone to explain the shifting to me uh, to see if if it's the positioning. Are the Sox just poor positioning, or are the Astros just better at hitting the ball where they ain't? Because when Bummer was in in the seventh inning, they hit three balls right up the middle. Now, it seems like that happens a lot with Aaron Bummer, okay? Balls right up the middle. Maybe there should be someone playing there. Um, I know that sounds silly. It sounds simplistic. But did, were they shifting for these guys? I know they shifted last night where there was a game. There was a situation when they shifted yesterday where they moved Lurie Garcia with Michael Brantley, and they had Garcia all the way in the middle of right field almost. And what did Brantley do? He singled up the middle, closer to second base, and there was no one there. And they even said on the broadcast today, Jim Cott had said that, that's why he didn't like the shifts, because if the White Sox didn't shift at one time, it would have been an easy 6-4-3 double play. But the Sox were shifted way over. As a matter of fact, Tim Anderson was on the other side of second base on a play there. So I would really need someone who's going to do a deep dive into the White Sox defensive shifting. And that's certainly not me. It's got to be somebody in the analytics department and um, someone is to let us know how the White Sox are as an infield shifting team and if they're good or bad or plus or minus, whatever the, the stats are. 312-332-3776, that's the number. We are going to be going to baseball in a little while. We're going to talk to Jesse Rogers we come back. Don't forget, tomorrow morning I'll be back with Brian Hanley from 9 till 10. We'll grab a bunch of your calls talking about the Sox. First two losses. Also, the hockey show returns tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on ESPN 1000. Hey, this hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. College football returns to Wrigley Field this fall for the first time since 2010. Join Northwestern Football when they host Purdue in the Wildcats Classic on November 20th. Tickets on sale now 
at cubs.com slash football. Determined to be most accurate. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Pitch. Popped in the air, down the right field line, over into foul territory, and it is caught by Tucker. He and Altuve were there. Tucker makes a grab. The White Sox do not score in the night, and they have just entered must-win territory. doubt must win territory you can't lose well you can lose three just your season's over if you lose three in a best of five fred hubner back with you want to talk to our guy jesse rogers been keeping us up on the white Sox and all of baseball and uh jesse i have a question for you right off the bat because sure. of the tony la Russa thing uh and uh, michael kopeck you know this during the baseball season a lot of times and correct me if I'm wrong, but they tell they know when they go into a game which relievers they're going to use in that game. Yes, in a regular season situation, they do absolutely. Do they still do it in the postseason? Or because a lot of people were saying, you know, why didn't you go to Kopech? I was surprised they went to Crochet when they did because he was in yesterday and actually had given up uh, three hits when he was in yesterday. Crochet sh- surprised me, but I-, I was thinking that they didn't have any plans of using uh, Kopech today. That's what it certainly seemed like, and, and Tony La Russa was asked that question after the game. He said, no, if we needed him to win today's game, mm-hmm. we would have pitched him. And if you can hear me sort of chuckling yeah. in between there, well, what are you saying? You didn't need him to win today's game? So obviously what he means is we didn't have the right spot for him right. where we needed him to win this game. But I, I tend to disagree with it, and um, in general – I think pitching moves are 50-50 calls for, for managers. Yeah. But today's a little different. Today's a little different when you purposely, obviously, choose to go to your B relievers over and over and again and then use your A relievers when you're behind, all the way up to, you know, uh, to, Kyle, uh, to Liam Hendricks, which mm-hmm. is just getting some work in. Right. But, you know, you come in, basically you're about to trail when Kimbrel comes in the game, right? He's men on base, dirty inning. It's just, yeah. You know, he gives up the sack fly, and you're trailing. So it's like, and then you don't use Kopech at all. So it was, it was very strange to see him go to the B relievers. And Jordan Alvarez, by the way, has a higher OPS against lefties than righties this season. So I don't see the obsession with getting a lefty in there against Alvarez. Yeah. Um, and starting Bummer in the seventh in a 4-4 game in the playoffs on the road, a contact pitcher. Uh, I he gets his ground balls, but like you were saying, they go through. I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I don't understand that. Um, Kimbrell in the seventh, Kopech in the seventh. Uh, that makes a lot more sense to me. Um, and then, you know, you can always do Liam Hendricks for six outs if you have to. So very strange to go to those B relievers in the, in those moments. You know, this is this pretty much a do-or-die game today, right? You know, yeah. The idea of winning three in a row, including game five on the road, is, is, seems like a really hard task. Not that it can happen, Fred. But um, a little bit more desperation in the, in the you know in those middle to late innings, I think, out of Tony and that and that bullpen would have been you know in order, and it just didn't happen. After Giolito struggled really to get through his first four, and the White Sox took a four-two lead, were you surprised they sent him out there for the fifth? No, because his struggles weren't you know just terribly bad, right? He was giving up some walks, but he was just 
walking that fine line because he doesn't want to give in to them. This is a good lineup. Yeah. He didn't want to give in to them. That's the way I, I saw it. I, I don't think it was a coincidence that he just happened to walk five guys you know, for the second time all season today. I think he was just being so careful. Let me read you a quote about that fifth inning. Okay. Because you're right. You get the lead. Remember, this is the second lead he's given here, mm-hmm. and, he, and he gives it right back up. Yep. He says, maybe trying to do too much. I had a good idea. It was probably my last inning, and we had just put up some runs. I wanted to get the shutdown inning. It's a different environment here than what I'm used to. So I got some valuable experience today just kind of reining it in and making sure the focus is to the target. Think about what he said there. It's a different environment here than what I'm used to, which goes to my argument that I did not want him to pitch in game one. I think he needed to settle in Mm -hmm. and watch a game, and here he is in game two, and he started off great with that striking out the side in the first yeah. inning. But obviously, he's in hostile territory, and eventually it got to him. Yeah, it did. When when the series started, I put up a poll like a couple of days beforehand, and I said, what are you most worried about? The uh, starters, the bullpen, the defense, or the sack strikeouts and struggles with hitting? And struggles with hitting one, but I think that's just because I put it in the first slot. Um, were, you con- <laughs> were you concerned about the starting pitching coming into the series? Because I wasn't. No, not not really, not really. I mean, did did I think it was rolling along like the first half? No, mm-hmm. but obviously, besides Carlos Rodon, those are three good starters they have um, that are should be healthy and ready to roll. So, no, I look. If you're worrying about your starting pitching in the playoffs, then, then the, all is lost, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing you have to have, and they had it for most of the season, other than Rodon down the stretch. Though Lynn wasn't as good after the knee injury and everything. Let me let me say this. Yeah. I mean, Houston might end up being the better team, right? They were the favorite. They should have been the favorite. Right. Um, the White Sox easily could have squeaked this one out if things had gone a little different later in the innings. But sometimes a playoff series will expose the warts that have been there for 162. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't overreact to a playoff series loss. But if they do expose those warts that have been there, that's something the team needs to address. They absolutely need to tighten up their defense, not just because of Garcia's play in right field today, but in general, we see a better defensive team in Houston. What have I been on for about a year now? Right-handed hitting off of right-handed pitching. You're not going to just thump right-handed pitching in the playoffs. They are too right-handed. The Houston pitching coach said as much today before the game. He talked about the fact that the White Sox, he said this, Fred, Quoting him, yeah. Chicago is easier to plan for than the Rays, who are who are more uh, dynamic, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, that sort of thing. Um, and what happened today? They scored their runs uh, against the lefty, and then were shut down against the right-handed bullpen guys from Houston the rest of the game. So there's another wart I think they need to address. Uh, and then you can never have enough starting pitching, so you got to make sure you know you you fortify there though we know that Crochet might move into that and Kopech might move into that role as well. So there are certain things happening in this series that were there for 162, and, it, and it's, it's coming back to haunt them a little bit. But, all, again, they could have squeaked this one out. Today. Yeah, it also didn't help that when the right-handed pitchers came in, the switch hitters the White Sox have, they, they turned around, went 0 for 6. Grandal was 0 for 2, Moncada was 0 for 2, and Garcia was 0 for 2. Yeah, I would have started Cesar Hernandez today. He has more pop from the right side them from the left side, mm-hmm. yet they bat him from the left side. Oh, it, was a, it was a tie game, so you know any way to get on is fine. Right, right. So that's where you take Angle out, and then Garcia goes into right. You know, it's a tough call here. It's a tie game. Do you want Billy Hamilton in right, and you, you burn two players in that moment? Garcia's gone and Angle's gone? I don't think so. 
So, you know, Hernandez is already in the game. You move Garcia to right. I like. I get what Tony was. Oh, so thinking. do I. He wanted. To, he wanted to get a hit to lead off the inning. He wanted right. a guy on base. And if you're up five four, then maybe you burn both her, uh, both Garcia and Angle, and you put Billy Hamilton in right field. So it's a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't. But in general, you know, the the the, the White Sox strength has not been their defense. So that's something no. they they need to shore up. But I just go back to those those middle innings, and I I did not like. The, I would have left Giolito in. Actually, I did. Uh, would you really? goes to, yeah, I would have left him in. He was, you know, this this is one of your horses, and it, I didn't. He wasn't tiring. He just he wasn't as sharp. I get it. I just I don't like Crochet in that moment. He gets down two zero to Alvarez. Of course, walks him and then gives up a hit. And then I just would not trust Aaron Bummer to start the seventh inning on the road, top of the order. Yeah, top of the order. Yeah, and yes, he gives up three you know ground ball hits. All were ninety. Five, you know, exit velo or Bob, maybe one was 90. But all three, I looked it up, MLB average for exit velo is 88. All three were above average velo. So you can't just say, wow, he gave up ground ball. If it's a hard hit ground ball, it's more likely to go through. Yeah. And as far as the offense, you know, I, I, I've never seen a team go two games without an extra base hit. I know. And one of the games you had 11 hits. So yeah. um, maybe that's just the luck of the draw. Maybe guys are squeezing bats too tight, Fred. But uh, this one was definitely there to be had. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Jess, uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk to you on Sunday night. It'll be a late one because the game doesn't get underway till 7 7 uh, after a Bears victory after they beat the Raiders. Uh, so we will see. I'll be here so we can, uh, we can talk to you after that one. Yeah, I'll be on before the game for people driving 4 to 6.30. I'll be on from the park. Cool. And then, of course, I'll cover the game and we'll talk afterwards. Sounds great. Okay. Okay, Jess. Good show, talk guys. to you later. Jesse Rogers following baseball, following the White Sox as they get ready for their game three Sunday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. It's the blackout game, 707. It expected to be Dylan Cease. Expected the uh, announcement will come tomorrow sometime. Don't forget White Sox weekly tomorrow, uh, 6 until 8 o'clock because from uh, Circa, the Victory Burger, Waddle and Sylvie will be there tomorrow from 2 until 6 and right here on the radio. Lots going on tomorrow morning. I'll be back with Brian Hanley at 9 o'clock, the hockey show at 10 o'clock, all kinds of stuff. All of it, thanks to Erica Strauss and down and helping out. Also, Tyler Rocky for all of his help. Wish we could have given you a better uh, result to talk about. Hopefully Sunday, maybe the White Sox can force a fourth game on Monday night. We'll see on Sunday. Be back. We will talk to you tomorrow morning right here on ESPN 1000.